Just so everyone is aware, I will say video cast sometimes because I actually have a YouTube channel. If you would like to check me out, it is called The Gospel Call. There you can watch my sermons and interviews with people where I ask for their thoughts on the afterlife. I go through the good person test and even talk about the wonderful plan of salvation, like how Jesus paid for all our sins. Yeah, that one. I also have a TikTok channel at The Gospel Call No Spaces and Instagram, also The Gospel Call No Spaces. So thank you very much for checking out my podcast. I hope you enjoy it. God bless. To you all, I am Samuel David Spoonauer, and welcome to the Gospel Call podcast. It is a little different this time. I'm actually in a completely different area, but I'm trying to make do. I, um, I'm actually helping out at a camp called Camp Joy uh, as a videographer. And I'm very excited because I get to serve the Lord and I get to learn a lot, especially with my camera. So I hope it'll go well, um, but for the, quite a few videos, I'm going to end up being here. Uh, so hopefully you can all bear with that. But either way, I'm still going to try my best to upload videos. If I don't, I'm sorry. I am really, really busy. But again, I'll still try my best to upload videos. So today I'll be talking about a very special chapter. Uh, Romans chapter 2 actually changed pretty much all of my evangelism and Ray Comfort had brought it up and I heard it from one of his sermons and I was I actually went through and read it and I was like whoa the Bible actually says that <laughs> so I just kind of changed everything uh, in the way that I evangelize and all that stuff so it was pretty cool um, and of course I'm, I'm using the ESV uh, so just try to follow along with me. Verse 1, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. In other words, you're judging you as a person in general. You are judging someone else or condemning someone else, even though you do those Uh, actually thought through judgments and rulings. It's because one person condemning another, it's stupid because everyone has sinned against God. Uh, verse 2, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Seriously, if you actually do wicked things you really think that you're going to escape god's judgment even though you you're literally condemning other people for what they do those exact things it's kind of a specific talk about but even then it's <laughs> it can still apply to a lot of people if you think about it like if if you've done something and then you start uh not just judging which means to determine but actually condemning other people for what they do. That is even different. And only God is really supposed to do that ultimately in the end. Uh, or do you presume on riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness in, is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Every time we sin, we store up God's wrath. 
until the day of God's judgment. And that's why he is right. He's loving kind. And, and that's why God is loving and kind. And he gives us a chance, an opportunity for repentance. Uh, it's just basic Christianity, if you get what I'm saying. But you'll see what I mean when I say it. Absolutely changed everything for me. He will render to each one according to his works, to those who practice, to those who by patience in well-doing see for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. Imagine that for every single human being, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Think about that for a second. Those who do evil and those who do good will be given honor and peace by God. And, but who in the world is, who, who in the world is considered good by God? Well, none, and we'll see that in the next few chapters. But everyone is considered evil. There are only very, very specific people that God would actually consider good. And again, we'll get into later chapters how that can be. But it's bringing out this separation, this point of separation, is that those who are evil end up end up being rewarded by God. So it's very black and white. That's why it says God has no partiality. He's not partial in any sense of the word. All who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature, do what the law requires. By nature, we, we do or don't do what the law requires as God's law. They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their heart. That is what changed everything. I honestly didn't really think about it until I got to the end of the chapter. But imagine that everyone has an inherent sense in their conscience and that it tells them whether or not they're obeying God's law. And I see this every single time I go out evangelizing and I go through the Ten Commandments. And it's funny, too, how the Ten Commandments lines up with our conscience. And Ray Comfort asked a guy that one time and he was an atheist and he was floored. He couldn't figure out why. But it's because God implanted that inside of us. It's kind of like a speedometer that tells us whether, well, a, spe a speedometer that beeps at us and tells us whether or not we're speeding. It's just, it's so insane to think about like this because I've, I haven't necessarily grown up in a non-Christian home and having to come across that. I grew up with all this early. So now learning about this and now using this for God's glory and getting people's hearts to be convicted naturally, it's just, it's amazing, especially when then giving them the gospel, because it, it's just almost like preparing them before the good news, if you get what I'm saying. Uh, 
and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? And this is where even what he was talking about in the beginning, he's kind of bringing to light especially Jews during that time being extremely self-righteous and telling other people to follow God's law, yet they don't do that. They can't obey God's law perfectly. That's what Paul is trying to point out. Like, you tell other people not to steal. Have you stolen? Are you stealing? You who say that one must commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And it's sad, but even Jews nowadays, they've gotten to the point where they actually think that God's name should be um, neuter. And in the Hebrew language, uh, that's extremely disrespectful, at least the way that I see Originally wanted, but they still, they still even fail today. They failed back then. But even the people who don't even know the law, even they, they are still completely worthy of God's judgment. Even though ignorance of the law is no excuse, they have no ignorance of it. They have it written on their hearts. And that's why I use the Ten Commandments when I preach the gospel. I'm preparing their hearts for the good news. But continuing on, verse 25, for circumcision in, indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. I didn't know that was a word until Paul said it. But so if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. And that this entire time, God has never cared about the physical self. He cares about the heart. 
the reason he wanted the Jews to circumcise themselves is so they would get this spiritual attitude of separation from other people. But they got so separated that they looked down on them, treated them as less, and treated them as higher when they themselves were at the exact same level in a spiritual sense. Both sinners before a holy and righteous God and neither of them obeying God. This is, of course, why Jesus came, because even those who are given God's law still couldn't obey it and ultimately be righteous. But it's just something that has really worked on me in that even though I might have grown up in a Christian home and with rules and, and with traditions, that does me absolutely no good. It has to be a circumcision of the heart and it's a spiritual thing. I have to have a desire to not sin against God, ultimately. It's literally changed my life, honestly. It's not like I haven't heard this before. It's that it's hardly ever preached on. But this is why every Christian should use the Ten Commandments when going out and spreading the gospel, because you're, you're convicting them before you give them the good news. I always, uh, I always say it like it, it's not really good news until you have the bad news in the first place, or even uh, you need the bitterness of the law before you can have the sweetness of the gospel. And of course, Ray Comfort always talks about like, you know, showing x-rays to a patient first and then giving him the cure. And it's, it's so true. It doesn't mean anything unless they realize they're in danger. It's not that they don't realize that. It's more like parts of them don't want to realize that. So bringing it out into the open and getting them to admit those things before people, <laughs> that's when they realize they're in trouble and they need God's mercy. They need his love and kindness. They need to repent. So please, every Christian out there listening to this, obey this and actually preach the law. And in fact, in other chapters, it's going to go through that where we need to preach the law and how even Jesus did that. Even he went through the law with some, with some people who weren't, weren't even Jews. And it's because they knew it in their heart what they need to do. So God bless you all. Thank you all for listening to this. Hopefully, again, I can actually keep up with these. Uh, but I hope to see you all next time.